0: Did you wake up one day wondering how you ended up in the shit show of life, where the only joy you find every day is doom scrolling TikTok, silently wondering why you had to relearn, how to part your hair in the middle, and laughing at cat videos? Are you tired of wearing all the hats, doing all the things, and taking care of everyone else while you can't even sit down for an hour alone without feeling guilty? Then let me welcome you to Hustle Culture Dropout, where we're trading the chaos for clarity. I'm your host, Chastity Campbell, mom, wife, entrepreneur, and professional procrastinator, and I'm ready to bring you along as we discuss everything from burnout to self-care and entrepreneurship to wellness. If you're looking for someone who's got it all figured out, you are definitely in the wrong place. But if you want to discover how to be genuinely happy, make an impact in this world, and occasionally have mindless conversations about the latest celebrity gossip, I've got you. So get ready for some no-nonsense real talk as we take on the insanity of life and what it means to be a woman in today's world. This is Hustle Culture Dropout. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Hustle Culture Dropout. I am your host, Chastity Campbell, and today I am so excited that I have Ashley Carbonato on the podcast. We have actually tried to do this earlier, and I totally jacked up our time and on my calendar, and so we had to put it off. And so I'm super, super happy that we finally are connecting, and I welcome you to the podcast. Ashley, I love love your bio that you sent me because the literal first sentence is like the best it's like ashley carbonato is a domestically underachieving mom of 3 who juggles all the things like underachieving this is like the most fun and the best description i feel like for so many of us out there and myself and it just like made me crack at- crack up when I like read it, but Ashley, actually, yes, three kiddos. She is definitely doing all the things, wearing all the hats. Some of her favorite titles are wife, mom, author, and business mentor. She is a gatherer of people, a welcomer to the outsider, a storyteller to the tired and an entertainer to the downcast. After leaving a successful career, she rediscovered her voice and renewed purpose in motherhood but in her own unconventional way, which I also love. I feel like that is definitely the theme around here. And so she says, "You, she is not the one to call if you need homemade frosting. She is the one you call if you need a good glass of wine and some honest reflection. So that is... 100% my kind of girl. So Ashley, thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I welcome you. And I'm so excited for you to be here and for us to chat a little bit. I'm so excited to chat with you and your people. Thanks for having me and introducing yeah. me to your community. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So how are you finding the time right now to, to sit and chat? Because what are your kiddos all school-aged? I
1: am in the promised land of school-aged children. I never thought that this day <laughs> would come, but yeah, my my kiddos are still in... We've got three kids in three different schools this year, so that's been uh, fun. Mm. <gasps> like, our side that's face... That's always emoji. a good time. Yeah, it's crazy. So we've got junior high mm-hmm. and then two in elementary school. So the teachers are getting the brunt end of the last week of, before Christmas break, before... Their home forever. So that's how I'm chatting with you today in my coming to you right. from my laundromat, AKA my office.
0: <laughs> love it. I love it. That is a true, that is a sign of a true mom multitasking and definitely doing all of the things. So, Ashley, can you tell us just a little bit, just I mean, I gave the little rundown, the bio that you sent me over, but tell me about yourself in your own words. I mean, we met through a mutual friend that we have. I know that I only actually got to meet you very, very briefly. And it was one of those things where I feel like in, I could have sat and like heard, it was for your 40th birthday. And when you came over to, to the house in Scottsdale, when I, when I was there. And so it was one of those things where I felt like I could have sat and listened to you sort of talk about things and just chat. And then, you know, we had some wine, we did a little toast to you and I wish that we would have had longer. And when I had talked with Alison, she was like, you definitely need to invite Ashley onto the podcast because we have very similar Platforms and very similar messages, and so just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and your overall message. With I, I love the title of your first book more More than a mom. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I am so grateful to have a friend like Allison too, who brings up your name when you're not there in the room. You always see those memes, and you're like, I want those women in my life. Allison is one of those women, and I'm super grateful for her. My story is. I feel like the more that I continue to tell it, it is becoming more and more the story of the modern day mom. I went to Mm -hmm. college and started my career. I was a corporate recruiter first in the fashion industry and then in health and wellness. And I was raised by two working parents and got married super young. And so I thought, you know, when we got married, this was gonna be my path. I was going to be a career girl. I loved working. I sort of fell into recruiting and it magically lined up with my giftings. And I thought that would be my path forever. So we bought a house, you know, with dual income, no kids. We were living our best life. And then motherhood came a knocking. (laughs) And everything just flipped upside down. Um, My husband and I are both from the the greater Seattle area, and so we were living in Seattle Mm -hmm. and had our first baby. We had no family nearby, and so I was staring down, you know, childcare options, paying for that. What did it look like? And something just didn't sit right in my soul, and so. We made the choice as a family for me to retire. And at the time mm-hmm. I, I retired at the ripe old age of twenty-seven. So, you know, my husband threw mm-hmm. me a retirement party and everything. But at the time it's it hilarious. Felt I love it. Like the right thing to do. Like it was like I, we don't want anyone else mm-hmm. raising these kids. We were already talking about baby number two and three. And so I picked up some freelance work and was kind of like juggling all things. Well, we kept popping out babies. We now have three. I did have a miscarriage in between there. So there were four pregnancies in a four year period of Mm -hmm. time. And I sort of, I doubled down. I kind of listened to a little bit of your story too, of, you know, went all in on being a mom. Like I was going to be the world's best mom because I thought, well, this is the pinnacle of motherhood or the the pinnacle of female hood, right? right? Like this is what culture had Mm -hmm. told me. My mom worked full time outside of the home growing up and so you know I always thought well I'll give my kids what I didn't have and so I'll I'll be that full time mm-hmm. stay at home mom and fast forward several years and I woke up one day and just had no idea who I was anymore. I was knee deep in diapers and postpartum depression and colicky babies and reflex babies and surgeries for nicu like so many different traumas that i now recognize with no family help we had no no nearby right. family at all so we were kind of orphans in the greater seattle area and although we had a rich community it still just felt it was the loneliest time that i have ever had and i couldn't figure out why i couldn't figure out like I was doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing, right? Like I we were on paper mm-hmm. the pinnacle of what our life should look like. I had this husband who was very engaged. Mm-hmm. He had a demanding job. He commuted and worked a million and one hours and I was able, right? Everybody around me was like, "Oh, such a privilege that you're home," which it was. But right. what I was neglecting I later found out was who I was, like I wasn't mm-hmm. meant to fit this mold, and I was chasing this version of motherhood of me of what I thought a family should look like based on what the general culture was telling me. I guess I don't. I, I don't. There wasn't like mm-hmm. a specific voice that was telling me this. It was just what I thought I should do, and
0: at the time I didn't. Right. I mean, I think had, you grew up kind of looking at that.
1: Yeah, no, I, and we had, when I was deep, deep in depression and all the things I was, I had mentioned that I was doing freelance work. Well, all my freelance jobs had been eliminated. And so Mm -hmm. I just was lost. It was like years and years that I kind of reminds me of Julia Roberts in The Runaway Bride, you know, and she's like run away after all these weddings and she decides that she's going to rediscover herself. And she wakes up and she's like, I don't even know how I like my eggs. Like, how ha- how do I like my eggs? Yeah, that was basically where I, I was literally
0: talk about that in one of my podcasts. Oh, really? Well, there you go. Yeah. That exact thing, that exact thing. Like I it's so familiar. And that's literally what I can remember feeling like being like, well, what do I actually like? Like do I do I even like Dino nuggets? I don't know. I eat them every day because I'm making them for my kids every day. Like right. You just sort of lose sight of that. I that's so funny that you mentioned that. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, it's you're totally you're totally good because I didn't but nobody around me was really saying that everybody around me seemed to be really happy in motherhood. You know, I was involved in the play date circuit and we did preschool and we, you know, I was doing library time. Like I was, we had community, like I said, but I was deeply, Mm -hmm. deeply lonely. And I felt like a shell version of myself. Like I went from this like kick-ass career girl who had all the accolades and all the promise in the world we talked about opening my own firm like i had ceo visions on my mind and thought oh we'll just like you know put kids right in in with that and we'll just keep climbing and i never anticipated making a shift away from the career world. I never thought I would be a stay at home mom. But then once my heart had shifted, I was like, well, I'm going to be the best stay at home mom. And so then I I would think I was really shocked that it was so unfulfilling. And so that when I came Mm -hmm. to terms with that, and, and really, I mean, I, I started throwing massive spaghetti at the wall, but I I came to terms with, I'm not happy. I am, I am not happy. And I need to fix whatever is happening inside of me. And so I looked to the outside for a long time, trying all sorts of creative things. They opened an Etsy shop and I was like, oh, I'll paint some furniture. Oh, how how about I'll be an interior designer. I'll be a fashion blogger. Like, I mean, I was just like trying to figure out what my thing was because I was desperate to just pull back a little bit of me. And I didn't, so that was kind of when my my bio statement of domestically underachieving, I kind of coined this okayest mom ever tagline mm-hmm. that I adopted into my mindset because I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be the world's best mom. I'm over her. Like Pinterest, screw you. I can't do you. I suck at it. I feel like crap every time I try. Like I'm just going to shoot to yeah. be the okayest. And that's gonna have to be good enough. That's all that's all you got. And that was really a byproduct of me shutting out like I am not Betty Crocker. I am not Martha Stewart. Like, why am I freaking trying to be her? I need to figure out who I mm-hmm. am. And so that took a long, a long, long road. And that was a lot of the the journey that I wrote about in More Than a Mom was kind of my declaration of deciding, waking up one day, not knowing who I was, not knowing how to answer the question, so what is it that you do? And I would just like freeze, like, I don't know,
0: what do I do? Right. I, I like do. you're a deer in the headlights, like how do I answer this?
1: And I felt like I had nothing to show for it. I had nothing to show for my days. I had mm-hmm. no... Nothing. And so I just felt lost. Mm -hmm. And I kind of decided put a a stake in the sand one day, and went on a journey to rediscover me and figure out how to do it without selling the kids down the river or running away from home. You know, I figured there has (laughs) to be an in between where I'm not running away or I'm not selling them down.
0: So that's what I sought out to do. So how exactly did that journey once it started and you, like you talked about like throwing spaghetti at the wall. I mean, I can relate to that so much because I do feel like I tried once I sort of realized like this you know, being the mom and doing all of the things, being the PTA mom, being the Girl Scout cookie mom, while I love that, that is not all I want to be. And those are things that I'm doing because I love my children. But what am I doing? because I love myself. And so I tried to, there were a lot of things that I also did that, you know, hobbies and different things that I would start that did bring me a lot of joy. But again, I still, I sort of felt the same as you, like I'm kind of floating out there. And when people ask you that question, which I think is the most ludicrous question ever that you can give somebody is like, what do you do? Like, I do a lot of shit. Like really, like, is there just one thing that women only do, right? Like there's not. And so, but we automatically feel like in order to be a valuable person in society, we have to like define ourselves by what our work is. And when you're a mom and you're in that, it's so hard to define what that role is because obviously- when you're like, oh, I'm a stay at home mom. Well, there comes the judgment, you know, and somehow you feel like you have to defend that title. And so when, like, once you sort of realize I need more, like Ashley needs more in her life. These kids are here. I have to make this work. At what point did you sort of get into the flow of things and find your voice with that? Like how long after you had your last baby until you were finally like, okay, like I, I'm getting this, like I'm making this happen.
1: I firmly believe, and I didn't realize this in any of the seasons when my babies were actual babies, but I wish that I would have given myself a full year of grace period postpartum. So I think Mm -hmm. I like the Achiever in me was like chomping at the bit after we had our third baby, but that was a whole traumatic situation. She was a preemie. It was a high risk pregnancy. She spent several weeks in the NICU. And so I thought the light, she was the light at the end of the tunnel. Like I'm going to have this baby and then we're going to, I'm going to crank it out. And then you just wait, like mama's getting her groove back. And I didn't anticipate that that path mm-hmm. would be real windy because of the needs of this small, sweet little baby and I am grateful for that time that was forced for me to just sit and savor her. I did not do that with my mm-hmm. my boys, my first two babies, and so it was about at like she was i think between a year and a half and two that I started to feel the margin again in my brain. To think about me. And, you know, obviously it was stirring beneath mm-hmm. me, but it kind of came to a real head. I remember a vivid moment. My husband and I, we were actually visiting family here in Arizona, which is where we live now. And we were just walking, doing laps around the block because we were from Seattle and get sunshine in November and December. And so we were like, we're getting outside and getting fresh air. And I remember us pushing yeah. her in the stroller. And you know, when you're in that survival mode and have young kids, you don't get a ton of time to process kind of the inner workings of your soul with your partner, or at least we didn't. Mm-hmm. And so as we're walking and talking, I just kind of start barfing like verbal vomit all over my yeah. gracious husband. And and I remember crying and I at one point sat down on the curb and I said, I quit. I quit. And he kind of, you know, was like, oh, geez, what does she mean? What does she mean? And really, I was, I was just making a <laughs> I'm declaration. I'm going to you not to quit. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's like, what are we quitting? Okay. And he was like, he was the best through all of this. You know, like I was a crazy person for honestly, like about a decade when all is said and done. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was more or less making a declaration that I quit being a stay-at-home mom. And that was a really hard thing for me to admit out loud because I felt like a failure. I felt like I had, I had the pinnacle of what I was supposed to have and it didn't fulfill me. And Mm -hmm. I was embarrassed to say it. And I felt a lot of shame around that, but I knew deep in my guts that I had to make that mental shift. And so I remember sitting There on that curb. I can picture it in my mind. It was, you know, about 75 degrees outside. It was perfect. And me just saying, I quit. I'm done. I'm done. And honestly, Mm -hmm. from that moment forward, not a whole lot changed in my circumstances. My husband Mm -hmm. was still working. We actually, we had moved recently into a new neighborhood. And so his commute had drastically reduced. And so he was able to be home a lot more. But I had made the mental shift in my brain of I am going to go on this path because I'm worth it. And it's not because of anything that I do or produce, but I just, I, I'm a girl of faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. And I wanted to get to know who I was made to be. Like, I felt that I believed Mm -hmm. it for others. Like, I believe that you were here, put here for a purpose and on purpose. And I can tell you, I can oftentimes see people's gifts in them long before they can see them in themselves. But for whatever reason, I couldn't see it in myself. It was just kids had clouded mm-hmm. it. Like there was nothing in my every day where I felt right. like, oh, there she is. Like there's the girl that can kill it in the office. There's the girl that can kill it in a boardroom. I had, I had no wins in my every day. And so that journey was really, um, Brutal, And I, I would say that I, mm-hmm. overall, I mean, like I said, it, it was about a, all in all from like starting to have babies to like, okay, now we've got Ashley 2.0. I would say it's about a decade. Like it, that's kind of, there were some yeah. ups and downs in that path. But overall, it took me kind of taking back the reins and and making the mindset switch that I was still me, mm-hmm. that someday these kids were going to fly the nest and I was going to need to figure out what my purpose was. Cause it wasn't my kids. I knew that, but I needed to, right. I needed to find it. And so honestly, I didn't feel like it was a popular choice. <laughs> like Culture wanted me to, yeah. to, to, to choose a path, like be a stay at home mom or be a career girl. Right. Where was my space? I'm like, oh. Can I do both? Can I be a mom and still me where Where were those voices right. and so that's really who I wrote the book for was because in that searching in that journey of healing and looking backward and figuring out and discovering and uncovering the breadcrumbs in my own story for who I was, I didn't have another voice ahead of me saying, "Hey, you shouldn't be you don't need to be full of shame like." There's a bunch of us out here just like you. And so that's really who I wrote it for. I wrote it for other women who were like, but what about me? Like, I'm not her and I'm not her. So is there a space where I could be me?
0: That was kind of my journey. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I love that so much because I feel like, Our stories mirror one another so much, and I can remember feeling very much because it is such a gift and it is such a privilege to be able to have the option of staying home that I think that comes with tremendous shame and guilt when you think to yourself, this is not enough. I need more than this because so many people don't have that privilege. And I think that that can consume you almost to make you think like, no, you need to make this work. You need to figure it out. I mean, at least for me, that's what I felt like. I felt like everything is good on paper. I have all of the things that society deems successful, you know? And so then why am I not happy? And thinking that there was something wrong with me, like there must be something wrong with me. And then and like you said not having anybody to look at like there there were not Shows, there were not talk shows, there were not, you know. I mean, at some point during my journey, there did start to become like a little, like some blogs and different things. But a lot of this, I do not feel like people talked about. And even now, I think a lot of people are still suppressing and not discussing a lot of the things that women feel because you feel very guilty about it. You feel a lot of the mom guilt, you know, for saying it out loud. And so, For you to recognize that and then to give voice through your book to so many women out there is such an incredible success. And I love that you were able to do that and you were brave enough to do that. Like you're brave enough to say, you know, I felt shame from this. Like I felt like I don't fit into one of these categories because I feel like society has kind of told women, you need to pick one of these paths. Like the, one of these things needs to work for you. And if they don't, well, something is wrong with you. And so I love that when you can find people in this space to take away all of that, like just negative talk around, I can't admit what it is that I want to admit, which is like, I love my children, but I also love myself and I want more for myself and who am I and how do I figure it out and where am I going with all of this? My favorite title in the entire world is being a mom. Like I love nothing more than being a mom. It is incredible. But that yeah, like, that's just not all that you are. And it's okay. Like those things can actually coexist in the same space. And so I love that you've sort of given voice to that. I know that you are writing a second book. So what is your second book talking? Is it still along the same lines? Is it like, here's the follow up? Here's where I am now? Like, what are you? How are you working on that? What is that about? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: So they say that oftentimes who you write for is who you were three to five years ago. And I would say that 100% is true of More Than a Mom, my first book. And so going to write Mm -hmm. book number two, I'll just be totally frank with you. It has come with so much imposter syndrome. I have not been one to experience much of this before, but... Holy moly! I I have a relationship with a publisher, and we're like really cracking down coming in January. I don't know when this podcast is released, but it is mm-hmm. end of December right now, mm-hmm. and I am scared shitless. Like there is every voice in me <laughs> saying, "Oh, that was a fluke. Oh, those moms that, like that was a one-time thing. You're not really a writer. You're not real. You don't really have a message to share." and I am pushing through those fears because I do believe that every single one of us has a message, and that that message matters. And this just happens to be the way that I express. And so I, I have evolved, and I um, empathize, and I write to, and I speak to that mom that is struggling to find out who she is. But that, thank the Lord, is not where I am currently at. And so. I am writing more Mm -hmm. about the impact and power of your story. And I just think that there is so, as now I am an entrepreneur, as you are, and so many of us have found each other in this space, and I am obsessed with the entrepreneur space. I fully believe that it is that middle ground for modern day moms, And it looks so different in so many ways. And I love it. Like, I love the just variety of expression that entrepreneurship has been able to evolve for women specifically. And so I am writing a lot to her because I also think that there's a lot Mm -hmm. of focus and there's a lot of strategy. And, you know, once you kind of figure out you want to go down that path of being an entrepreneur, You can buy and uh, consume a lot of different strategies, but until or unless you deal with what's going on in your heart and you look at your story and you really own the parts of your story that maybe are painful or that maybe are ugly Mm -hmm. or that maybe bring you a lot of joy. Until you kind of take that holistic 360 ownership over your story you will never I believe ultimately succeed in business you will plateau at some point because there's only so much that external strategies can give you and so just giving women in the entrepreneurial space permission to look at those things is kind is is where I'm headed and that's the writing process is different for everybody. But for me, it looks like Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to unravel the knot of yarn until I just start pulling the thread. So that's where I'm headed. But sometimes Mm -hmm. you don't really fully know where you're going until you get there. But that's who I'm writing for now.
0: I love that. I love it. I think that talking about the imposter syndrome and how you were like, thinking that maybe the success of your last book or you know you have this community of women who support you and, and are interested in what you're doing like somehow thinking that that's a fluke i think can reson- like that resonates so much because i i love hearing other women in business or successful women by whatever standards that that is talk so freely about how difficult it is to not feel like an imposter to feel to have that self doubt like if everybody you know again you look you're looking in from this lens on the outside like oh she has it all figured out she's written this one book and she's done this and she's done this and she has this community of followers and and it must be so easy to like whip out like book two book three book four whatever it's going to be and I I think bringing light to that like doubt that you have, you know, I mean, I think everybody has it, but I mean, I think it's a little more in your face with women. And so I, I love that, you know, you're sort of talking about that and saying, you know, Hey, this book will kind of, you know, take on whatever it's supposed to take on. Like once you kind of sit down and you start working, you know, through that and you, and you do that. What do you feel this way about what advice
1: Oh, I was say I, I do
0: a hundred percent. I
1: bet I, you feel this way I, about podcasting, like putting something that you create that is honest and true out into the world. For me, <gasps> is the equivalent of walking out onto the stage of the Grand Ole Opry like butt naked and being like, "Well, take oh, yeah. it or leave it. <laughs>
0: Here I am." <laughs> okay, no, it definitely it definitely is, and i we were talking before we started recording on this about how long it took me to actually launch the podcast and and it was a hundred percent because it's this is, I have a product-based business also. So when I started my line of candles and my product-based business, I knew exactly what I wanted that to look like. Like I wanted a non-toxic candle that was safe to burn in your home that people could feel good about, that was refillable and sustainable and it was great for the earth. Like I knew that these were the things I wanted. Very easy to go from idea to here is my product and what I have. And to be able to say, oh, well, this person's not buying my candle because maybe they're just not a candle person, right? Like, or maybe that's not how they like define their self-care. They just don't like whatever. They don't like the vessel. They don't like the scent. That's okay. Like to me, that's okay. But when you're doing like a book or a podcast or even a blog or even just trying to put yourself out authentically on social media – people, then you're like, oh, this person's not listening to my podcast because I suck. Or people don't like me. Like they don't like what I have to say. Or they're like, you're crazy. Like what even qualifies you to sit here and have a podcast every week and to talk. And so I always like to say about myself, like, I am the uncredentialed master of been there, done that. Like, I'm not giving anybody therapy. Like, I'm not teaching you anything that you don't already have readily available Mm. at your fingertips or can access through a therapist or anything else. But I can only share like what my story is. And I think I'm sure you probably felt like this in writing your book also is that it's almost therapeutic. It's almost... Mm. It's almost a process and it's therapeutic for yourself to be able to show up every day and put, you know, pen to paper. That's how I feel every week when I get on here. It's very much, th- it's very therapeutic talking to you. It only helps solidify my own beliefs, which mm-hmm. are that women do not get to you. Like we said earlier, you have to pick and choose. You have to pick, are, are you going to be a mom? or Are you going to work? what, what are the things that you're going to do? And having, having people like inviting people on my podcast or connecting with other women who I see are doing great things in these spaces really just like validates me. Like it validates like what I feel, you know, too, but it is very scary. Every week when I show up here, I second guess everything that I'm doing, what I'm thinking, the process, the way I say something. Did I, did I curse too much? Is that going to offend somebody? You know, and all all I can do is be like, well, this is myself. This is who I am. You have the option of picking up the book and reading it or listening to the podcast. And if you choose not to, if that's, you don't relate to that, that's okay. And then being okay with that, like every single week, you know,
1: But that is only you speak from a place of healing. Like I I hear it. And and I think so many women forget that in order for you to have that courage, you had to get right in your soul. Like you had to do the work to Mm -hmm. know I am loved. I am worthy without any applause, without any awards, without any recognition. My work, my creation, who I am is still worthy of love. Despite what I do, and I think that that is the part of the process that women that we all not just women but we all want to skip over because that's like oh right i don 't really want to peel back those layers of that onion. I just <laughs> just give me the like how do I do it? How do I launch? How do I get those candles out and you're like, mm, okay, well, I can tell right. you that that's the strategy part like that's exactly i just i I envision this generation of healed women of women who are empowered in their own skin, who believe so much in their innate worth, that it doesn't matter what they do. Because Mm -hmm. I know that if that's the place that you start from, whatever they do is going to be world changing, in general, even if that is for the people in their own home, like the ripple effect of women who are like, this is my lane. And I love it because I am loved. Ready, set, like watch out world. Cause I think we all have a part, we all have a role. And like, that is, that is the symphony that we need in the world. Like we're not all going to look the same. We don't need a bunch of authors. We don't need a bunch of candle makers. Like we need everybody, but getting the courage to bring forward what you have and say, I created this does this count? I want to be like, yes, Mm -hmm. freaking counts. Like that is everything.
0: And don't you feel like, you know, earlier when I asked you, like, how long did it sort of take this journey, you know, like your particular journey and you're talking about like, you know, you know, it was like a decade or so, you know, I again can relate to that. And what I think to myself though, and it's, it's, obviously I don't, I don't regret any of the thing, like any of, you know, your past, like I really look at things and I, I try to think, okay, okay. I, what did I learn from this? Like, this is the ultimate thing that sometimes that could be hard. <laughs> sometimes I could be like, I don't know what the hell the lesson was in that thing. I don't know where it was. That was, that was just crap that I went through. But what I do think to myself is, often i wish that i had found this voice when i was in my 20s like or my 30s you know like i wish my my daughter is is 22 years old and i see this time in her life where that's that's going to be coming in the next several years and i get a little fearful of like oh gosh i hope she doesn't start questioning herself like i hope you know, she doesn't start thinking like, where's my role? What's my role? And so I always think about like when I'm, you know, on a podcast or I'm thinking about showing up on social media and connecting with other women, it's it is that ripple effect. Like maybe I'm relating to women who are have already sort of been through this, but my hope is that they will then feel empowered and take my message and create their own message and share their own stories and that their daughters can hear. So Mm -hmm. then we have this generation of girls coming up that are like, yeah, I can totally do all this. Like Mm -hmm. I can, or, or I don't have to do all this. Like, I don't, I don't have to be everything, you know, and actually authentically own their own voice but at a much earlier age than like maybe when I discovered mine. I do just wish like I think to myself all the time the confidence that I have now the the ability that I have to share openly like my story and maybe some struggles and things that are like the the more ugly parts of them. I wish that I had this confidence when I was younger. And was able to share that more. And I know like with you having like a young daughter, I know that you can feel like that work that you're doing, how important that is, you know,
1: I just, I never, it's why I shy away from being an expert or like, you know, mm-hmm. d- telling you a bunch of how to's because all I ever Hope for and want from my story is for you to resonate and say, if she can do it, I can do it, and that's that's like Mm -hmm. the ultimate hope and goal. Quick story: I I just posted. I was we were screwing around with the kids the other night, and I was having a glass of wine. It was post dinner. We're all feeling the festive mood, and I started dancing. I don't know. One of my kids turned on a song, and like. You know, oh, I sporty girl, I Ashley, it. yeah, she comes she comes out often. Like you turn on the jams and the booty starts shaking. And so I'm dancing and I I literally didn't even think twice about it. Whatever. Like I'm just dancing, having a good time. The kids are laughing. My 13-year-old's like hiding like this behind like mom cringe, oh. And I posted it. And I cannot tell you how many messages I got from women who were like oh, I want to be able to dance in my kitchen. And I, it was just the mm-hmm. snapback to reality of how relevant this message that you are more than a mom, this message that you can, what do you mean? I forget sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, I forget mm-hmm. that it is a journey and I forget that, you know, there is, it is my responsibility to reach behind that woman, however old she is, like Right now it's my daughter, but it also is my sister in the trenches, you know, like it is, it is holding out the rope and saying, Hey, we're still going this way and you're coming and you're coming because you're worth it. Like Mm -hmm. you're coming because you already have the tools. You just haven't sharpened them in a bit, or you haven't accessed them or they're in your back pocket and you need to put them in your front pocket or whatever. But it was just this clear Mm -hmm. reminder that we've got more work to do. And the message, just women need to hear it. Women, women have got to see themselves thriving again. And I want culture's voice to just shut up for just a minute so that they can believe it for themselves again. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. I think that, that I, I saw that post that you did and I just was, I was cracking up because I was like, this is so funny. And the fact that like your kids are there because I think so many times, and I, I definitely think I, I see this with kids. I see this with my own kids, but I definitely also feel like this is so much of what we see on social media, which is like, here is this like poised, perfect person who is like all business or you know whatever sometimes your kids are like but you're a mom so you must be a robot like you must have like zero feelings you've had zero experiences in your life like what could you possibly tell me like what dance moves could you possibly know like they forget that you're a human. And Mm -hmm. I think that is something on social media that I think is also missing. It's like, it's humanizing somebody and saying, like saying to my kids, like I have told my kids so many times, like within conflict, in particular, my daughter, because we'll butt heads a lot. But I've told her like, you forget that I'm your mom. Yes. But I have feelings like I, what you've said to me hurts my feelings. Like it hurts my feelings. I would be so hurt if my friend said that to me and just reminding them that like I have feelings or yes, I had a life before you guys and it involved me being a sorority and dancing very, you know, very obnoxiously or silly and doing all the things and, and having a good time. Like, yes, I had this life and I think it's so. I don't know. I think a lot of times, like, we feel like we have to be, like, so buttoned up. And so, I I mean, I don't know. I felt like that, too. Like, when I was a stay-at-home mom, like, well, this is what a stay-at-home mom is supposed to look like, mm-hmm. you know? I mean god forbid we talked about the fact that as soon as our husbands got home we wanted to throw our children at them and lock ourselves in the bathroom and drink a bottle of wine you know like you it's like i'm like they are yours now take them and be done with them but you can't like you can't like talk about that you can't like say that and so i i do i love that we that we have this platform and the ability to talk about this. And this is the space that we have. And I love that there are so many other women within this community who resonate with that and recognize that and accept it. And I just think like the more that it's out there, the more we can actually finally change what society views is what you're supposed to be when you're a mom.
1: You're doing a great job of just creating that safe space. And I think that Oftentimes that's really all it takes is in order to give somebody else permission, you just have to go first. And so thank you for being a safe space for more women. Like we need, we need more of it because man, I would have loved to have had this podcast, you know, five years ago, six, seven years ago. would have been like, oh, look, Jesse's just like me. I'm not crazy. Like I'm not the crazy one.
0: Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and please just tell us really quickly where we can find you on social media so I can make sure that all the listeners know where they can find you. Also where they can find your um, book, I'm assuming on Amazon. I know that's where I found it and just let us know where we can find you website, all of the things.
1: Yep. Book is on Amazon, but I am. And I've got, you can go to AshleyCarbonato.com and get links to everything. But I am mostly hanging out on the everyday at Ashley underscore Carbonato on Instagram. And I have just recently gotten on threads and am trying my feebling my way through threads as well. But Instagram is is usually where I'm hanging out, showing up in all sorts of ways. You never know when you're going to get a dancing reel, these these dancing
0: videos. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's the best. It is actually like the best. And I mean, girl, like you've got some moves, like you're like legit. So I'm I'm feeling like there needs to be more of those.
1: <laughs> my girlfriend and I years ago, this was actually something that I did in my journey to figure out who I was again. She it was an old neighbor of mine. And she was like, do you want to go take a hip hop class? And I was like, I sure should do. And so every Tuesday night, we would go do hip hop. And we were the whitest white girls in that class. And we just danced like we didn't give two rips what anybody thought. And it was the funnest thing in my week. It was like light for me every time. And I'd come home and I would just feel more me. There's something about moving your body and not caring who's watching or how you look, that was so freeing. Like, go find some fun. That's that's my best tip. Go have yeah, some fun for and sure. find
0: you. For sure. I love it. I love it. All right. Well thank you so much for being here.